0: Hello, and welcome to Going Off Track. Thank you. It's a pleasure to to be here, Jonah. Thank you. Um, (laughs) Thanks for having us. Thank you. I'm Jonah. Um, Today, my guests are (laughs) Stevens and Brad.
3: (laughs) This is going to be a great podcast. I have a lot to say. Mm -hmm.
0: So much. So much needs to be spoken of. Uh, In all seriousness, today, our guest is Lucas Previn, um, one of my closest friends, um, my bandmate in United Nations, and you may know him from seeing him play with Thursday, La Dispute, Gloria Estefan, Raffi, the Scissor Sisters, the AKAs. He has
1: had a very, very interesting life. He has had a very interesting life. Uh, those of you, mucus, uh, I almost said mucus. Um, <laughs> those of you who are mucus aficionados. Uh, me. Those of you who are music <laughs> aficionados, his father was uh, is Andre
0: Previn. Yes, his father, famous composer Andre Previn. Mm. His uh, brother-in-law is this... Some, what's some producer? He, made he, he makes movies. I don't know. Uh, I can't remember. He'll. His name. he'll, he'll I can't remember his it. name. But it, apparently, he made some movies. Uh, yeah. But uh, <laughs> yeah, super interesting life. Awesome musician. Great person. And equally as neurotic as me. It was basically like having two Jonas in the room. Yes. It's. Mm. I think that me and Lucas drive his girlfriend crazy because tattooed I feel like,
1: Jonah and <laughs> non-tattooed Jonah. Yes.
0: Essentially, this is tattooed. Tattooed Jonah. Um, but yeah, his girlfriend, I feel like we feed off each other and she has to always be like, why do you guys stop? Talk- like You guys need to stop talking to each other.
1: See, I don't, see, I don't think you're as neurotic as you think you are. I don't
0: think that you know what happens in here. Like, the <laughs> mayhem. I've gotten some
1: emails and texts from you that are pretty insane.
0: <laughs> yeah.
3: It's- what if you said that Jonah was just pointing
0: to his stomach when he said that? Was pointing
3: to my
1: stomach. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, you know, it's
0: one of those things that you, uh you... You deal with it. You learn how to cope. But it's it's a uh, it's nice to meet someone who has like the same weird issues. And you're like, I'm the only person that thinks this way. And then you meet someone like, Oh no, I'm not the only person that's crazy. Well, like,
1: what's play. an example? What's a weird issue that you're like?
0: Um, I can't leave my apartment without like making sure all the sinks are off like twelve times. All the burners are off. Like I have stuff like that where I'm trying not, I'm trying to stop doing it, but I can't. Like, if I hadn't checked the things four times, when I was here, I'd be like, oh, my God, I left the faucet running. My apartment my apartment's probably flooded.
1: Well, if that's neuroses or OCD. I think it's both.
0: But that's, <laughs> I mean, that's just an example of, like, just, like, the... Just,
3: so like, do you get on planes like that, going, like, I definitely did not turn off the stove?
0: No. You know what? Honestly, when I lived alone, it was much worse. Now that there's someone, I have a roommate, it makes it easier because I'm like, oh, like, she's not going to, like... You know, like the department's on fire. Like she'll call me. Or you know what I mean. Like you have
1: a fall guy. Yes. Oh, it wasn't me.
0: Yes. Uh, so that's nice. But and, and it's not like it's not debilitating to a point where it like overtakes my life. Like I don't. I'm not like. Yeah. You know. You're not Joey Ramone. I'm not Joey. Ramone. Maybe you're just yeah.
3: convinced that you're a fuck up and you you're messing up. I think constantly. I just like to
0: invent problems. Oh. I've seen you go crazy and look for your headphones, which is my headphones more is funny. A, headphones is a big one. Uh, yeah. My old roommate used to be like, hey, man, where are your headphones? And just to see me go nuts. Although I would do this thing back to him. My old roommate, Dan, who's probably listening. Dan, what's up? How's Asia? How's your, uh, how's Jonah's amp? How's my amp? Uh... Cheers. He, I would do this thing where if I put a glass on like right near the edge of a table, he would always move it, (laughs) like subconsciously. We'd be talking, and I would do it all the time just to drive him (laughs) up. And then I'd drink it again and move it back, and like like eventually he'd be like, "Dude, please stop doing this."
1: It was just (laughs) that's like someone that's like someone you watch smoke who's not smoking. They've just lit the cigarette to see how long they'll let that ash sit there. Yep. I kind of I back that though. I've, I've had I've had friends who are, are incredibly torturing uh,
3: your friends. You back torturing yeah, your friends. It's
1: funny. It is funny. It is funny. <laughs> as long as it's funny, like I I know some people who um you know got over their place and everything's in order, and I'll just move something, <laughs> just really subtly.
3: Yeah,
1: and see, or or I'll, I'll find, or I'll go to their um, you know, if anyone has like a stack of post its or somewhere, like find and I'll flip to the middle, and I'll just write fart. Big I had a friend
0: who, that was you? <laughs> I had a friend who was so OCD that the volume on his car stereo had to be in an even number like it was like a digital one and it had to be at like 24 or 26 and I would always like change it to like 25 and he would, no and he would totally change it back and I would do it all the time and he would be like, please stop doing this <laughs> okay. but to me like that's the most entertaining thing like doing those harmless things mm-hmm. where it's like just watching because it's so easy to do it to me well, in his defense,
3: bad. though, the even numbers do sound better.
1: Is that, is, from, an, from an audio standpoint, yes. even. As yeah. a professional audio. I, I have a friend who hurt his back really bad, and he, he can't feel his legs, and I stabbed him. It's true. He was like, I can't feel I've legs. I've seen
3: that family guy. He was like, can you see
1: that? And I went, wham, it's true. Hit it with a fork. He's like, oh. not a thing. And I went, that's impressive. Oh, I don't feel bad about my stereo or nope. cup stuff yeah. now at all Family
3: no. Guy is actually just a documentation of Stephen's life It's
1: true, it's true I. I, have a, I, have, I have a kid who speaks in a British accent And he's gay and is trying to kill my wife <laughs> totally Ladies weird. and gentlemen Lucas Bradley It's <laughs> <He's> going on <laughs> Speaking of 300 issues, Lucas Previn is here.
2: No idea how that segue works. Oh, no, it works perfectly. I have way more than 300, though.
1: What? <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, yes, today on the podcast, my bandmate Lucas Previn, who you've seen with United Nations, as well as um, Thursday, Lattice Butte, Gloria Estefan, mm-hmm. uh, Rafi. This sounds made up, but it isn't.
1: It's not. Uh, who else acid tiger. acid tiger acid tiger
2: um scissor sisters zowie yeah there's a lot of weird ones it's a pretty eclectic arc yeah
0: um yeah it does those, are, those are like and raffi
2: sound made up yeah they're not um it, it came about pretty strangely uh in memoriam uh when i was a young kid my father who plays music as well which i'm sure we'll get to but uh his best friend was this guy phil ramon and he was a producer. He produced like Billy Joel and all these great records, and he passed away recently, um, sadly. But me and his friend, or me and his kid, were best friends, and uh, so he knew that I liked music, and I was my out of eleven brothers and sisters, I was the only one from my father that played any kind of music. Everyone else like went completely the opposite direction, and uh, yeah, so (laughs) Gloria Estefan came about because he knew I was really into music, and he wanted to give me some sort of like door opening. How old are you at this point? 12 no because raffi came first because i guess i fit the age demographic to be on stage with raffi at that point but uh and that was uh, like raffi on broadway and it was like this whirlwind of being around super like stage moms and stage kids which i wasn't Mm. and my parents didn't have any like thing like that and just like this that it was like my first taste of industry fakeness, you know, like these kids being like, hey, It is so good to see you. Like
1: I little kids who are not acting kids who are acting like adults. Yeah, exactly. It's creepy and awful.
2: Right. And like while I'm I didn't have like the most like childlike childhood. I certainly was still a kid at that point. <laughs> I was like, I no, this is a little weird. But I did buy my first cassette tape at Colony in Times Square. Which was? Ugly Kid Joe. Wow. Yeah. And uh was I was,
1: it with I hate everything about you.
2: Yeah. I was super psyched on it. Do you
1: know why they were called Ugly Kid Joe? I don't. It was it was reacting to the... um uh, guess they were a metal band, Pretty Boy Floyd. Oh. And they apparently like had a... they It was some total speculation in my memory, but they got got into beef with them. It's like, you know what? We're going to call a band Ugly Kid Joe. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to cover Cats in the Cradle. You
0: remember that video where it was just them flying the kite or something? That video for Everything About You? It was like they're on the beach, and they're running around... I, that was like an era where I was watching so
1: much MTV, where I feel like... I, I remember aired. the video because I was thinking, wow, bold move, long hair and shorts. Okay. <laughs>
0: Wasn't that dude married to someone famous or something?
1: Yeah, I guess he would like to think she was married to someone famous, <laughs> nope. <laughs> Anyways, Lucas. Uh, you bought the uh, kid, Joe, while you're playing so with you- Raffi on stage on Broadway, first gig? Yeah.
2: First, See- first gig, yeah. And then uh, that lasted like two and a half weeks, which was just surreal and bizarre. In and what I mean. instrument? Uh, voice, voice, and a little bit of guitar, okay. Um, but mostly voice because it was it was pre-gaining this bizarre baritone-esque volume of tone that I have that mm-hmm. does not fit my body whatsoever. Um, and then uh, it's good for the baby beluga. <laughs> oh God! So yeah, thank for making me the fat one here, gentlemen. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Appreciate it. I usually am, but even more so too
2: <laughs> So yeah. So uh, after that, it like I had I guess I had a resume. Of some sort, like, yeah, I've sung on Broadway, which was just a complete lie. Like, this guy, I mean, it was like George Bush at Yale, you know what I mean? Like, I shouldn't have been there. But I ended up getting there, and then because of it, then the Gloria Estefan thing happened, and then it was like a a serious lull of skateboarding and punk rock bands, and then started touring at 15.
0: So, you grew up in the, you moved to New York when you were super young, right? Uh,
2: the story is, I was born... This has
0: always confused me.
2: Me too, man. Um... <laughs> I was born in England and lived there until I was 6 started spending half the year in LA half the year in England cuz my dad was conducting the Los Angeles Philharmonic and your
1: father's uh, Andre Previn who's done a little bit just
2: a little bit little a, a bit. touch yeah it's yeah. not a it's a pretty harsh umbrella to live under the but,
1: amount of holiday cars you must have to send every year has to be insane
2: Mostly apology cards, yeah. but then there's the holiday card afterwards. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, it's it, 11 Brothers and Sisters has made for, like, interesting Christmases and uh, family mm. dynamic, but, but yeah, so uh, the Gloria fun mm. thing happened, and I and I, am sorry, I've totally gone on track. Uh, so yeah, I was in England, split the year, LA, New York, or LA, England, and then moved to New York after that, and then it was America full-time. Started going to school, my parents' Put me in my first day of American school at 10 years old in a sailor suit. And I had long, long Beatles hair. And I was so chubby at the time that my parents nicknamed me Chubbs. This was like what I was called that's in public. So kind. It was awesome. But uh, <laughs> How are your therapy bills? You paid up? You good? <laughs> uh, I think there's an outstanding debt to someone on North 2nd that I just like stopped going to on tour. But, <laughs> but other than that, I'm caught up. Um, the, the medicine bill, however, <laughs> that's huge. Uh yeah, and uh and then was in New York for a super long time and then moved up to the Cape and Islands to go to a charter school because for me it was always this thing, every every report card said, Lucas is smart, but he doesn't apply himself. And so my parents were always trying to find like alternate ways to channel this thing, which ended up being me practicing an American accent at home because I was ridiculed so often that it led me to buying a skateboard, getting Thrasher magazine, reading about punk bands. And then that's sort of like how that happened. But then I was living on an island at the time, going to a charter school. that was weird. And Which island? Where? Martha's Vineyard off uh. Cape Cod. And what was weird is there was this small faction of vegan straight-edge kids on the Cape and Islands who skateboarded. So because of the skateboarding, I started to meet these guys and they were dudes from syracuse like this guy john mckagg who booked like every earth crisis show in syracuse for like 10 years he's
0: a bald dude with the camera
2: yeah, yeah and like full sleeves he's been in the scene for forever he gives like a lot of like talks at shows motivational speeches and stuff and he was a kid you went to school with no he was the one of the vegan straight edge kids on the island oh okay uh, kids i mean he, now he, i think he's 50 now so i mean he was a lot older at the time but definitely like uh he guided me in the right way of like, don't listen to this crappy band because you saw it in Thrasher. This is the better version of it. And uh, and through that, I started... And then he gave you a Path of Resistance LP? <laughs> I love Path of Resistance. Hi, DJ. It. The um, first record. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. No. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so you totally threw me off. Sorry. Where were we? Uh, how it goes you're on a, you're on an island you're going yeah.
1: to school charter school
2: straight edge yeah uh and uh and then through that whole scene i started playing in a band with the other straight edge kids on the island and uh had totally had to do this approximation of what i thought like punk and hardcore should be written like and went over to this guy's house uh this guy ryan who was the drummer for there Were wires the band that it turned into but at the time it was like a joke band and I was so young, and I got a ride there. And he didn't know how young I was, and no one else in the band did. And they were like, "Oh, where's your car?" And I was like, "I, I don't have one." Like, totally lied about my age for three years in a band. Like, was it in Virginia Beach playing a show, and there was like one of those eighteen curfews, like past ten p.m. If there's anyone eighteen in the club, you have to get out. And I like hid in a bass drum, and a couple of members of the band were like, "Why did you do that?" And I had totally lie my face off, like oh, I was tired. How old were you? I think I was like, I was fifteen. I started touring at fifteen. Wow. Yeah, and much to my. Your
1: family was cool with that, or were they all over the place?
2: Uh, it happily and not so happily coincided with my parents' divorce, so they were super preoccupied. And it was like it was a really good thing that I cared about anything because school, like, while I I didn't do well, I didn't do poor, like, awfully. I didn't do enough, and I didn't care
1: you were bored and it wasn't anything that was going to help you out so who cares
2: exactly yeah. so i started touring and it was an eye opening experience and i was like well this seems to make a lot more sense than being sad and playing guitar in my room this <laughs> yeah. is a lot more fun and uh yeah it was just a lot of years of different bands and it, it was funny how like it sort of started on this really huge scale with the raffi and glorious fun thing and then I took the exact opposite turn, like, no, I want to play basements and I want to break things and I I want to, like, understand that much more than I care about, like, Broadway and all that stuff. And then for it to come back around again later in life, it was so much more appreciated, you know, like, I hated it at first so much because it was like all these fake kids and I had no idea, like, I didn't have any assimilation to that whole world And then I think taking it from the ground up was the only way I could see myself doing it. It wasn't intentional, but it ended up happening that way. And I was like, gosh, I'm really, really glad I didn't stay at like, oh, I should always be at this, like, you know, whatever, Broadway theater backstage getting powdered.
1: With music and you and all these bands, do you have, you know, from a young age with your father, do you have a fundamental appreciation of music? Like, can you read music? Because I imagine a lot of these bands could not.
2: Yeah, it was super important for my dad for me to learn how to read music and the reason I started playing guitar is because I started playing piano. My dad's a pianist and, uh, I would sit and practice and he would listen and scream from his room when I made a mistake. And it was like, I was doing scales. I was no good. Like it was, it was an intense pressure to be under as a young child wanting to do music. And so eventually like this got to a point where I was like, fuck this. And went to my mother and I was like, what instrument does my dad know the least about? It's just like electric guitar. Like, Let's go buy one today. And, uh, I wasn't allowed to get an electric. I had to start with an acoustic because my dad thought the electric would lead to exactly what life led to, I guess. (laughs) And uh, Lucas gestures to his full sleeves. (laughs) Yeah, and uh, and so (sighs) much to much to you know the only show this my father has ever seen me play was the very first show with an electric guitar, and I covered "Knocking on Heaven's Door" whole and Nirvana with like the school band and he left and has never come to a concert since oh. i was 13 but to be fair we've written music together and we, he's performed it while i've been there and it's like we found our place in music together because obviously it wasn't going to be like integrity records or something like you know the AKs. or the AKS.
0: so how did you end up in new york on your own
2: um so after you know there's only so much i guess time as a person who wants to be a musician that you can be on an island that closes for six to seven months of the year and has like a grocery store and a 45 minute boat ride to be able to go see a show you know without taking you or someone else out Right. Did did every kid just like sit around and do drugs? I think, and I, I'd have to double check this, but there is some crazy statistic about Martha's Vineyard being like the most per capita suicides in the United States, and like a concentration or whatever. But Mm -hmm. because the winter time, it is. I mean, bleak is hardly the word. I was lucky to have been straight edge during that time, because otherwise, I mean, it. I can understand now why those guys were the way they were. Like just like this. Bleak, like it's... New England winter, with like boats not working and just like bashing around, silence everywhere.
0: This is how little I know about it. I'd never have been to Martha's Vineyard, but I just pictured it as like a huge winery, <laughs> like this <laughs> paradise. Like I was like, it's called Martha's Vineyard. It's got to be
2: beautiful. But I think that's the problem is that it's such a bipolar place because in the summer the population goes from like fifteen thousand to one hundred and fifty thousand for three months, and in the summer it's like fireworks and carnivals and festivals, and then. Labor Day hits. Is it Labor Day or Memorial Day? Memorial Day? Labor Day is in September. And it just like, everyone leaves and like boarded up windows, empty houses, like turns to Detroit in like 24 hours.
1: It's like any other creepy beach town on the East Coast. You know, it's it's seasonal. Yeah. And it and it, go, yeah. and it locks it down. But I imagine on an island where there's fuck all to
2: do, but find the local bar or huff paint. Yeah, exactly. You like know. And that was definitely like... Is there
0: like a college there or anything or not really?
2: No, no, it's like there's definitely like the college of I'm just going to wear car hearts and do woodworking for the rest of my life and like resign myself to solar paneling and stuff, which is cool for the people that are still doing it. But I know they will never hear this because they don't own a computer.
1: So for the rest of your siblings, like were they all shipped off to other schools as well? Or were you all separated pretty immediately? (laughs) Uh, So. It might be
2: a wood-carved computer, Lucas. You don't know. It <laughs> yeah. could, could have been a wood-carved
0: computer. Do you want to draw a diagram for this next
1: question?
2: <laughs> um, gosh. Um, all right, now that you're not laughing, ask me again. Bring it on. Okay. So there are a lot of siblings. Yeah, tons of siblings. Now, your immediate
1: siblings, were they shipped off to other schools as well, or did they stay... Were you in L.A. at that time,
2: or in New York when you went to Martha's Vineyard? Uh... It was in New York to Martha's Vineyard was yes. the transition. And my, all my siblings are, I think the closest one to me is six years older than me. So they always had like a leg up in that sense. They were adults during sort of tumultuous times and I wasn't. But my father has been married now six, seven times over his lifetime. So a lot are half and half sisters. And I see some of them sometimes. I talk to some of them the other. And sometimes some of them I haven't talked to in years. But I have a sister who's old enough to be my mom. So some people go on third dates, your dad gets married. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. 100%. He he loves getting married. Hates staying married. It's a fun but he loves party. Yeah, <laughs> it's a great party. It's like yeah. that Louis C.K. special I just saw. He's like, the best part about getting married is getting divorced. It is so much fun. He's like, you know why it's expensive? It's worth it.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I was like, you know, and I didn't understand how my dad was until I started being in the music industry, and I I could see like parallels of his personality and bandmates or people on the road and it's like okay like there are some people that the loneliness is beyond their moral scope you know and that's uh i think that was like understanding that was when i was like okay i can be friends with my old man like he traveled so much when i was young like pre-divorce he was not around just because he traveled so much and then post-divorce like that reason plus divorce so eventually uh it was that that sort of like brought me back to being able to be like okay well The relationship that i will find with him is within music and friendship and went to him with like we should probably write something at the time i was i was going to school for music and they had assigned us to write a two instrument song of any length as long as long as it was like showing what the counterpoint and other stuff we were learning entailed and uh i wrote it for piano and bass upright bass and gave it to my dad and he ended up playing it live without telling me at the jazz standard in new york and like I, w- I turned into a child like floods of tears like i had no idea it was happening and afterwards like uh, he asked me to produce the live re- l- the live recording of it and it got nominated for a grammy and it was like this total bizarre circle of i would never have thought when i started this that it would have ever turned into something that would have been recognized at all you know it was always going to be like you know my dad showing me twinkle twinkle on the piano or something um but he's come around, like, with everything. I remember, like, I wasn't allowed to skateboard, I wasn't allowed to rollerblade, I wasn't allowed to get, I mean, obviously tattoos before 18. but... It's a good thing about the rollerblading, though. I back him on that. Absolutely. But at the time, probably, I thought I was super cool wanting rollerblades. <laughs> <laughs> and then quickly learned that that was the least cool thing ever, when someone used the term fruit boot out of a car at me. And I was like, oh, maybe this isn't cool, as I think it is.
1: Because <laughs> you can't just jump off and kick those up. You got to step and unlace them. Or if they're, like the pair I had in college, unbuckle with the plastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Were they the three colors?
2: Oh yeah, the silver boot. Like yeah, I was like, I'm red, gonna yellow, work. Green. I was like, any
1: other kind of exercise, I'm gonna work out and lose weight. I'm gonna rollerblade, and then I'd go down a hill on my ass and my chest, and I put them in a box and never, <laughs> you know, wore them again.
2: Yeah, I think it was when like a skateboarding friend was, was like, "Yeah, those are attached to your feet. Doing tricks on those is not impressive." Like. <laughs> a board that you have to bring up defying gravity that's impressive
0: <laughs> yeah that's a good point i was bad at both of those things
2: yep did you not skate as a kid
0: no I, was... I got into it like when i was in my 20s but i was never really good i could it was i could like drop in and just go back and forth so this be my that's
2: good yeah that's really good man yeah, Dropping yeah, in I, could nev- I could
0: never ollie i could never like really like and it, it, like, dropping in was terrifying to me. I've heard it for so long. Even if the ramp is like three feet tall and you're like on the edge, I'd be like, "Oh my god, I'm gonna
2: die!" Because you have to put your weight forward. It's an unnatural overcompensation at yeah. first, for sure. Exactly. Do you still skate? Uh, no, I lodged a rock in my left knee, and it went so deep, and that like my knee is blown out forever. Did you get the rock out? <laughs> yeah, I did. I was young and dumb, and went back home and. Uh, went into a bathtub and there's this stuff called detol in england that's like an antiseptic that my mom would always put it in water and on cuts and so i just filled the bath with it and got in it and like in an excruciating agony I was like trying to feel it and it just felt like maybe a scar at first and then i did one wipe and i heard a tink on the porcelain of the tub and i was like what is that and this the water just started turning red and i was like oh my god what's going on and my mom was before pre-cell phone couldn't get a hold of her didn't have a driver's license I couldn't walk to the hospital at this point with a gaping hole in my leg, so I just figured out, like, well, hydrogen peroxide seems to be what everyone uses on cuts, and I just filled the hole with hydrogen peroxide and, uh, see you, Jonah. and <laughs> and... and closed it with a butterfly bandage, and by the time it was over, and my mom got home and took me to the hospital, the skin surrounding the cut was so soft, they were like, we should just butterfly this better, because it's so soft, the, the stitches will just...
1: You didn't, get st- you didn't get stitches at all?
2: No. Uh, butterfly bandages and now I have this like giant white weird off color scar on my knee yep Uh, yeah I I
1: know them yep Mm -hmm. super bad yeah
2: this right now Stephen's holding his face and it's the reaction that I always get and even my body feels it again when I tell the story
1: yeah I've I've done a few and seen a few and uh, blah I do not (laughs) I do not skate so in trying to keep track of where you are when you are right I can only imagine how confusing it is for you
2: Yes, I guess life started really at 18 in New York. Got it. Okay. That's when, like, actual life happened. Before that, like, all of this strange moving and, like, floating around in the world was happening. How
1: many times do you think you moved before 18?
2: Let me do a little hand counting. At least five. Minimum five times. Wow! And... it was hard, especially in the hardcore scene, because there was so much hometown pride within like each scene, mm-hmm. and I didn't get to really have any of that because I wasn't from anywhere. And so trying to like be like, yeah, fucking New York hardcore is so sick, like yeah, but I'm not really from here, so it's difficult. Yeah. Or like Boston hardcore, FSU, like I, no, I'm like also not from here either. Like, but so I never got to wear the cool basketball jerseys or right anything. Yeah, it's not a small club, dude. I. I...
1: My dad is in the military. I've moved my whole life. Yeah. It's annoying as crap. Yeah, it's you wild. Because n- you never feel like you live anywhere. Even when you live somewhere, you always, I always have this feeling of, I'll be out of here in a little while.
2: Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah. Like uh, I don't know if, if this was f- the same for you, but like the first move was the one that I remember. Everything else seemed easy after it, but like, the big first one of like, oh, this is no longer home and you're going to the new one. That was the one I remember. Everything else was easy after that. But like that first one, I was like, wow, this sucks. Like, everything I know is about to just, like, fade out backwardly, you know? I
1: have no memory of the first one, because by the time I was three, we'd move, like, six times. Oh, wow. So I was, ne- I, I, I'd never know anything but going from place to place.
2: And did, I know that, for me, I this is part of where music was, a, like, a super comfort, was that was always there. Mm-hmm. Was it the same for you? Like, I, my CDs are always with me. That's the one thing I can make sure of, you know?
1: There was music, but it was, for me, it was, like, toys and comics yeah and then music came later like like music really came for me when i was stationary like when i hit 14 that was my 14th move and we moved to northern virginia and that's where like my parents still are and so that was a great place to grow up from for those years because of just all the bands i mean it was the it was the late 80s and it was just discord mania right but then you get super localized and you know i didn't i was probably Seventeen, when I was like, "Oh, there's hardcore in other places." Okay, <laughs> right. right. What's, who's this Gorilla Biscuits band? You know, finding that at the store. Where in Virginia, uh, Springfield. Okay, Northern Virginia. So I know about the Virginia Beach eighteen-year-old go home laws. <laughs> yeah, yeah. when that started? It was hilarious. That's
0: so fun. Yeah, I went to kindergarten to twelfth grade at the same school, but then I said to overcompensate when I moved to New York by moving every two months between yeah, this Village and Williamsburg. Yeah, <laughs> so that's been cool. You're catching
1: up. Yeah, yeah. It's been I moved three <laughs> times
0: last year, so. Uh, um. Was it hard for you to make friends at going to so many different schools and meeting people?
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it was up until skateboarding and straight edge, like, and that community sort of happened. And he, the whole, like, brotherhood idea, and that was, like, so appealing to me because of the disjointed nature of my life up until then. But, yeah, I mean, I have a couple friends from the scattered years that I still keep in minor contact with. But for the most part, like like I said, like, l- I guess real life started at 17, 18. Which is funny because it involves you and you don't know it. And I, t- I specifically told Jonah, you are not allowed to tell Steven about this because it's going to be fun. So, trying not to grin because I don't know if
1: this is going to end well or I not. Oh, it, the face I Steven's promise you, it's not name. a bad story. Okay. So,
2: uh, 17 or 18, I'm at like a Tower Records, west, uh, Upper West Side, and I'm just browsing for records, and there's like a bizarre much music thing in the corner. And this dude, I think his name was Scott, but I'm not positive. He definitely had like a short name like this, came over to me and he's like, hey, would you want to do an on-camera, like, fake interview? We're, like, casting for Much Music America. And I was like, oh, sure, why not? And did it, and then he kept in contact, and, like, we did a couple more things, and he really wanted me to, like, that band Echo Brain. And I don't know if this gives you any insight to who this guy was. That would be
1: Scott Barkham, because Scott loved Echo Brain. Okay. And I worked with Scott for years. He's a great guy. You've met him here. He's been at Rubber Tracks a really? bunch. Really? Yeah.
2: So. Wow. This dude, like, was in contact with me and was like, yeah, we might have you do this thing. And I went to, like, a Best Buy with three other people and did a video, like, pretend show. And then he called me one day and he's like, yeah, we're not going to choose you. We chose this dude, Steven, who knows so much about music. You guys would get along so well. And that was, what, ten plus years ago. And I still haven't met you till today.
1: That's hilarious. Yeah. So hi, wow. Scott.
2: Hi, Scott. Yeah, it's been a while. And I, I did like the Echo Brand CD he sent me. Scott loves
1: Echo Brand, loves Jason Newstead. He manages bands now. And he's brought a bunch of bands here to Rubber Tracks. where We record this wonderful podcast.
2: That's awesome. I have a wonderful
1: of- studio. We record this podcast. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah there we go
1: that's right switch and that- the adjectives that's crazy <laughs> so you were doing hosting stuff as
2: well yeah but not just totally by accident like it felt like the most like la story to happen in new york like hey want to do an interview on camera like uh sure scott's got a good feel for that sort
1: of thing he was very good he's very good at like spotting and managing talent that's basically what he did for us at Fuse. Right. he was in charge of all the on-camera folks and it was a good buffer between us and producers. Which yeah, he's learned- such a nice guy. Yeah, he's great. That's hilarious. Wow, wow right? right on. Yeah. And, and of course, had to be Tower Records. Yeah, even better. hmm R.I.P., right?
2: Yeah. Are they, they're totally done, right? They're totally done. They're
1: internationally,
2: they have them, right? There's one
0: in Ireland, I, I felt think. I feel like when I was in Japan a couple of years ago, or when we did that, I guess that was a while ago, mm. there were a bunch of them, but I guess that was like four or five years ago.
1: I have a shirt. I asked for a shirt a couple of years ago. It's kind of a in memoriam shirt or tower record. like a monogram shirt like no it's you an actual there? tower record shirt uh. you know that was like just like as if i worked there <laughs> because i'm sure it happened to all of us whenever we hung out there people would always ask us where the records were
2: yeah absolutely
1: every damn time i was there from high school on
2: especially never, no jonah never happened to you no the tower on um is it houston that na- that had uh britney spears lived above it for a while do you remember this?
0: that one that's like that weird rotating space where yes. it's like the wired store yes. or the
2: espn like wing zone and or it, whatever there was tower and then at the end of the block was tower video right Yep. And, yep and like across from screaming memes or something whatever that store was it's kind uh, of
1: funny that like our grown-up like quote unquote indie record store was basically an international chain absolutely you know, now it's support record store day oh yeah we all grew up no we didn't we all went up to tower but tower had everything it had books and records and unlimited supply yeah I was in
0: that virgin store at union square like i felt like that was like i was like i can't believe this went out of business like did you go there i was like yeah i met people there and looked at stuff i never bought anything
1: yep. yeah
2: and,
1: and yet like, oh. the listening station oh i can hear the whole record <laughs> yeah. and i'm broke yeah i will be here for an hour No, yeah totally. i
2: spent so much time at those listening stations like i th- think the first time i ever heard gorillas i was like i'll just listen to this whole record i have nothing to yep. do mm-hmm. fine great that's pr- that pretty much
1: defines any of us going to want to register, like, what do you have to do? I have nothing to do.
2: <laughs> yep. And Nor- no one ever met you on time there. Like I, I would have that as a meeting place and be like, see there at three and like you'd listen to two records. I'd be like, sorry man, just made it. Right, yeah. right. Oh well, uh, the oh the employee picks are so indie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bell and Sebastian on every rack for the employee picks? Wild. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about our relationship a little bit. Um
0: because I feel like me and Lucas. It, Lucas is as neurotic as I am,
2: which is, like, incredible that I feel like we found each other. Yeah, it it, it kind of is, man. Like, I, definitely when you're around <laughs> anyone that knows me before they know you, and then they see us interact, they're like, Jesus Christ, man. Like, I don't know if you guys are, like, the best thing that's ever happened to each other as friends, or maybe the worst instigators of problematic... Is it, like, oh, shit,
1: there's two of them?
2: Y- yeah, a little bit, like like... <laughs> Beth put it really well she's like it's just a constant revving of each other's engines and like the rpms keep going and you just keep getting madder and madder but not with each other just at things yeah, like with no you, resolution
0: if you could get a patent for like inventing problems <laughs> like we'd have so many oh you guys must play guitar
2: we do play guitar we do. and
0: it's so funny I was telling we were talking about the first time we met recently and it's this story because i don't know how you started playing with UN. We, through, <laughs> well, you
2: and through well it's through cape cod because the whole straight edge scene on the vineyard was very very closely linked to cape cod hardcore which ben kohler from who now plays in converge he played in a band called force fed glass at the time and uh good name so everyone knew each other it's a really good record it's yeah. like super grindy super like 90s really really good and um and they toured with like reversal man and all the bands they should have toured with to be a band that was that good and uh so I, I met Ben and we'd started playing music together, just like in his basement, funnily enough, playing like covers of Converged songs sometimes long before he had ever like thought he might be in the band. And uh, and so when I moved to New York, Ben was still living in Boston and then he moved up here and I was one of the people he knew. So we hung out all the time and he started doing UN and then the UN needed more people. And that's when Ben brought me into the mix and it was in the Acid Tiger practice space. Right
0: yeah and we met and we played and like me and lucas really hit it off and i was like oh this is great and then we we're kind of like just like making fun of each other messing around and he made some joke about the love killer my old band and i was like i'm gonna go home and google lucas and see like what embarrassing bands he's been in so i go back to practice and i google lucas and it's like andre previn woody allen like all this stuff i'm like what so i called jeff i'm like did you know about this stuff like Lucas is like all this and he's like no I don't know and I was like I'm gonna like bring it up cause like I wanted to make fun of him about something this is not what I was expecting he's like yeah you should totally do it so I go back I
2: like
1: to like how you're researching how to make fun
2: of someone <laughs> your brand new friend that you the friend you just got along with like, I, like I really this like this guy yeah, how th- can I
1: zing him <laughs> Yeah. no basically yep so
0: I go into practice the next day and we're like working on some song or something I'm like uh, hey man like I said something like googled you yesterday pretty crazy or whatever I don't know what I said and all of a sudden Lucas got super serious and was like, what? You Googled me? Like, why would you do that, man? That's, like, not cool. And I was like, no, I just, like, wanted to find something dumb to make fun of you about, like, uh," you know, and he's like, no, man, that is, like, really not cool. Like, and just, like, put his guitar down and left. And I was, like, looking at Jeff, and Jeff's just, like, looking at me, like, shrugging, and I'm like, dude i told you I was, like what is happening and then like two minutes later lucas came in. he's like jeff told me about this i was just like fucking with you Yeah, we, had, we had this huge plan I, I was like and i was so upset i'm like i finally made a new friend who like actually like i feel like i can relate to like this like it's so great and i was like and i blew it and i can't believe like i felt so bad and then i was like ugh well played ben. very very well played it was
2: so awesome because i'd heard so many stories of your neurotic nature before i'd ever met you that i already had so much ammunition without having to do any like creepy googling the legend <laughs> does
1: come before the jonah
2: absolutely man and you're big in williamsburg i've heard <laughs> um but yeah man it was it was a. Uh, I I the thing was i was just as nervous to make the joke like when i was standing outside of the room with ben and we were like I wonder how this is going to go. I was like, I don't know Jonah well enough. He may be like, hey, fuck you for playing this shitty joke on me, man. Like, get out of this band. So it was definitely I, a roll of the dice. I
1: think you knew him well enough. I think he had that feeling. Oh, okay, this will be great. Be like, all right, fine, my bad, whatever. <laughs> are we eating?
2: <laughs> yeah, but then the, probably an hour long, like, are you sure you want to eat there? I I, you're right. not just like placating where I want to eat, right? <laughs> right, right.
1: No, totally. <laughs> Sounds uh,
0: actually familiar. And then the first show we played was Inauguration Day in D.C. with... Uh, the A.K.A. is your old band.
2: Yeah, who and didn't we've... know I was in United Nations. Yeah. And no one knew. I don't think they
0: knew, knew I, did, I was either, and I felt like we walked up... According over... to Wikipedia, neither of you were in it.
3: <laughs>
2: oh, funnily enough, recently, because of that, I was like, you know what? It, it seems silly that neither Jonah or I, while we've been writing the new record and have records that we've played music on that like there's just no reference at all like which i get is also part of the band but it, there was like this l- list of people who like had absolutely nothing to do with the band and so i was like i'm gonna go in and fix it i never figured out how wikipedia works <laughs> spent way too much time figuring out like html and stuff like this and entered the right information and then <laughs> went to show someone and it was all switched back and after a while i figured out that in wikipedia you can... Sort of like, when you change it, leave a comment about what you've changed and why. And this whoever this guy was was like, I don't know who you are or why you think you know what Lucas does with his life, but this is not right. The information you are citing doesn't have enough references and all this stuff. And I'm just like, I, I don't know how to tell you that you're wrong other than it's me someone like, from wikipedia no like the guy like some so like, like you know like so like hardcore hi- joe 420 or so whatever oh, okay. altered it
0: uh, there's like a hierarchy though like people can override other people or he just he's like the same as you he's just changing it
2: back that i think that you are open to change anything at any point like wasn't it, uh who is the who's the like super homophobic uh dude who they got it so that when you was rick santorum like when you yeah. google his name the first thing that came up was like... Dan Savage started that. Dan Savage, like some awesome like like gay porn site was like the first thing that okay. came up. It's like, you know, I guess it sort of followed with that idea. Wikipedia is weird because someone had put a page
1: together for me years ago and it had in some line that I had apparently in an interview called Pat Monahan a cunt. And that was on the Wikipedia page. Yeah, And I stand by that. But... <laughs> It was very odd that that was the one quote because I was like, a lot of people are going to read all this and just get to that point.
2: How odd, right? Yeah, and it's, it's a seems- weird thing. Wikipedia.
1: I used to have one, and it like I think they were like, this person
0: isn't even important enough.
2: I'm pretty sure that it's just open open to anyone to put anything, really? and this this guy's chosen like I'm going to be the like you know hardcore police on Wikipedia or something. But I, had, I mean, that guy's really fun to hang out with. <laughs>
1: no not that band yeah. i'm going back to work do you want me to bring any food home
2: and <laughs> but there's no way to like email someone directly i want to email and be like hey man like i promise you call me like <laughs> no big whoop <laughs> 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 but yeah uh i think that definitely like when i know for me i don't know if it's the same for you but when life starts to get like i'm not sure if i'm living right I always call you and I'm like, is this fucked up? Is this like, have I fucked up completely today? And whether your gauge is usually sort of my like conscience, like, no, man, that's totally right. Like, oh, phew. And it's gone. The episode's gone. But if you're like, I don't know, <laughs> then it's like, oh, I have another 24 hours of looping in my head at what that could mean, what I should have done. Yeah. Uh, you're,
0: you're giving me way too much influence because I have no idea what I'm talking about. Almost Ever.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but i guess it's sort of excusable having woody allen sort of in the family so
1: yeah what's good you like? segue yeah. thank you
2: yeah neur- neurotic people so
1: soon is your adoptive sister mm-hmm. okay
2: which is unbelievably complicated because she was adopted by my father and mia farrow and then soon after Mia and woody got together and my father sort of handed over custody and then but she kept the last name Previn and then... That could only have affected her positively. Yeah, <laughs> yep. And then started she started dating Woody Allen and then the controversy happened and it was fucking crazy. Like, reporters were trying to bribe me with video games for information and stuff. Like How old were you at the time? I want to say like 11 or 12. 11 or 12, okay. Um,
1: and how many years old is she? <sighs>
2: i'd have to wikipedia it (laughs) i honestly don't know and there and therein lies your entire family history (laughs) yeah pretty much and uh and so she ended up marrying woody allen at the end of the controversy and they've been together for forever which i think is a testament to its reality like when it first started it seemed really really crazy and it's still crazy and shitty but like they're still together and they have a kid it's like that's all right i guess like i always feel like if i'm dumped for someone don't dump me for the guy in the bar you just want to make out with if you want to stay with the dude forever i'm totally okay with that Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like that seems like the better of the two options like oh it wasn't just like this scummy weird like year-long thing
0: has woody allen ever heard thursday
2: (laughs) it's not commented on it (laughs)
1: <laughs> Is your relationship such that you've all hung out, or are you close with her at all? Or yeah, um,
2: yeah I mean, it's not. Sh- God, it, I just put a tier system in my own head of like my brothers and sisters and how they work. But she's definitely in the like least contacted in the mm-hmm. eleven. um But I mean, there's still like o- obli- obligation emails and like things mm-hmm. like that, where it's like nice to stay in touch. Mm-hmm. But there's such so many raw nerves for so many different people in different ways that like it's just a slippery slope
1: it's very it's i guess it's very odd i don't i don't claim to know anything about that situation and when their relationship started and um as a dad myself with two young girls i'm like who are you dating what where when and how but you know if you're of age and dating somebody uh you know it's up to you it's up to them it sounds I, i don't mean to sound so objective about it because you know there is that creepy factor but it's like you're saying they're still together so if that's if if it's working shut the
2: fuck up it's been 20 years yeah it's been a long fucking time yeah and yeah it was weird and like i'm i totally back every member of my family that still has weird issues with it because it was a weird time and i was young enough where i don't think i fully grasped the scope of it but for me it's like okay well whatever dude i had a friend at 30 who started dating a chick who was 15 but was he his wife's daughter <laughs> that's the only thing that i think and, is like and, this <laughs> and thus endeth the comparison <laughs> yeah i don't i have nothing
1: yeah oh, man but and this is going to sound weird or it might not how am i to know based on your life experiences <laughs> and your father's life with multiple marriages and uh, consecutive and you know cousins and adopt uh, siblings adoptive and whatnot could you be surprised i mean it's weird but is it and that like i imagine you seem like a very grounded person that no doubt i think based on the families you've had in bands maybe not the family you grew up with yeah absolutely but uh do you think that's weird for your home family life or just like yeah and then there's
2: that I mean, that's the thing about it is, is that like you know, someone like Jonah who goes home and googles it, and then uh, the amount of times that people are surprised by it has absolutely nullified it to me. It's like I guess someone who works in a morgue, like eventually, it's just like this this no longer affects me. Like there was a large period of my my life where I wanted to separate myself from my father, that whole story and everything included, and like how could you escape it, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So eventually, it was just like this is just. This is just life. Like, I don't I don't know any other way. I know that it's not normal for everyone else. But 11 brothers and sisters, one who marries your, like, father's ex-wife, it's just life, you know? Like, just like, I don't know. I, I wish I could say, like, it feels crazy, but it doesn't. It's like, I know the story's crazy and that it has this effect on people when it gets told, but I don't know. It's, it's just regular life at this point. It was so... I think it's
1: all regular life. It's just how you interpret it or how you expect others to.
2: Yeah, and but this seems to be a topic that others are always like holy shit about. Like tell tell me like all the intimate details and it's like I just don't know them. I I know that it's weird.
1: Would they be holy shit about it if it was just if if it wasn't you know a filmmaker you know a great
2: filmmaker absolutely not yeah yeah I mean that's the uh, that's the other angle too yeah, he's it. older
1: like, he's a banker and they're dating and they're married it's gross right, right. anyway right. Uh, burgers
2: exactly yeah um, but it's you know Woody Allen's funny and yeah. he's a great director and he's an incredible writer and like there's nothing that like his personal life should take away from his work like I know I mean Tim Lambesis and all that but for me, it's like, he's got to be someone who, for me, he is a separate entity for how he works. Because so many people uh, I know like his movies. Like, I wasn't allowed to watch his movies when I was young and under, like, any sort of parental supervision. So, it was almost this, like, pornographic thing when I was on my own to watch a Woody Allen movie. Like, what's it like? And I loved it. And I was like, why was I kept from this? It's good. Like, it's actually good. Um, so, yeah, I can separate, like, the action from the man. absolutely, Or the the work from the action, we
1: call that Axl Rosen. Yeah. It's S- like misogynist prick. appetite for destruction's a good record. yeah.
2: So yeah. I on there, they did a tour and I got to go on a week of it and uh, Axel Rose. were you playing? No, I wasn't playing. Okay. I was dating someone who was in the opening dance troupe, we'll say. and uh, <laughs> and so a couple wild things about Axel Rose that I found out is he has all his shirts tailored so they're tight up top. Mm -hmm. And then flare out so it looks like he's still super thin. And he has this like black box on the side of the stage that he runs into and someone like does all like his primp work and retouches his makeup between every single song. He was like (laughs) late, still late to every single show. And you feel like, dude, how can you still be? doing this prima donna like i'm gonna show up three hours late and the first show you were at the first show of me being on that tour because it was the one that the pigeons of shit metal as he called them got kicked off
0: at csu or i think think kinko's arena
2: i thought or like whatever the arena yeah
0: they're always changing the name some some
2: quicken that's what it was quicken
0: loans Mm -hmm. yeah i went to this show who did i go with i think with my sister i went with vanessa i got tickets somehow and it was like it was sebastian bach Mm mm-hmm and the Eagles of Death Metal opened, and they were good, and I felt like the crowd was totally fine into it. And then Axel Rose came out and called him like, "Give it up for the pigeon!" to shit metal was like ripping on them. Was like, "Don't worry, you'll never see them again." And then their singer did that interview with Buddyhead, mm-hmm. and they kept calling him Paxl Rose. <laughs> yeah, and then was like, I, he was like, "They asked us to do it. They paid us for the whole tour up front, and then they fired us, and we still got paid." Like, who? We don't care
1: yeah thanks for nothing yeah, yeah. Like,
2: I, we'll be fine i was on their bus after it all happened they were like we don't care at all we're so psyched we get to go home like it's not a big well, deal what
0: was, was there ever any like resolution to that or it's just like it's axel rose like no the deal was logic is that and... they
2: went like 10 minutes under okay. and their the contract was that you had to play for a set amount of time and it pissed axel rose off I guess.
1: Because he's a stickler for time.
2: Yeah, he's, like, super (laughs) punctual. German punctual. And, uh... And, yeah. Just, like, went on this rant, and they were all like, oh, well, fuck it. Like, karaoke Guns N' Roses doesn't matter anyway, so who cares? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So all the bands you were in,
1: like, I I imagine it must have been hard, like, son's father figure for most of your life. So did you find it in bands with other guys? I know in the straight edge scene, like, there was one in my school, and I still talk to him. He's one of my best friends.
2: Yeah. uh, I mean, there were certainly mentors. Like, uh sort of bring it back to the beginning that guy Phil Ramon who just passed away he was like a huge musical influence on my life and I spent more time at his house than my own probably well any of mine um, but uh, yeah there was definitely within bands uh, I guess just seeing the, the years where I lied about my age were the most like I guess uh, pivotal times when I needed someone to sort of like steer me in one direction or the other and luckily it was a bunch of straight edge guys who were like super nice and I'm going to one of their weddings in September and it's like they're all still super close good friends and few people in my life that I've kept like a weekly contact with for a decade plus are they still straight edge no
1: were you ever straight edge
2: I was um until new year's eve 2000 when uh my mother I was at a new year's eve party and I went back because my mom's like I want to spend the millennium changing with you like you're my son it seems appropriate and I went back home just... he you
1: said, that's really 2001, Mom. <laughs> was that a Jet Black New Year?
2: It, it was a Jet Black New Year, because I got Jet Black out. Um, because I went back home, and my mom's like, you have to have champagne with me. Like, it's the millennium. And totally, like, sold me, like, drug dealer style, like, you have to drink right now. And I was like, all, all right, and... I finished the bottle and went back to the party and was just hammered for the first time ever. And I was in a band that was straight edge at the time and no one was at this party. And I came home and my brother and I were super hungover the next morning. He got up to go to the grocery store, which my entire band was at, buying like vegan barbecue stuff. And my brother just had no concept of any of this. And they were like, where's Lucas? He's like, I don't know, fucking hungover. And... Like, phone call, like, you're out of the band. That's it. Done. You are out.
1: <laughs>
2: Just like that. Was their favorite hardcore band, Judge? <laughs> At the time, yeah. But funnily enough, it was like, I went through like five years of jean jackets and white belts and like that whole weird fucking time in life. And they went through like ultra militant straight edge like dilution. And then finally, we met somewhere in the middle. And are all friends again but it was like it was definitely like that hardcore beef like you're not straight edge anymore one of the dudes wrote like a four-page double-sided letter to me like handwritten about how i disa- it was such it's a disappointment so that and stuff. stuff
0: is because uh, i was straight edge from like i was 18 to 21 or something and it's such a big deal it's like it's seems like such a big deal at the time and then I don't have any tattoos but you know obviously so many people have strange tattoos and I almost got one and I was like I was like yeah of course I'm going to be strange forever like you think you have this vision of yeah. how life is going to be forever mm-hmm. at 17 18 and you're like yeah
1: my my buddy didn't talk to me forever he was so he was like would you get drunk and I was like yeah he was so bummed yeah you know and it's it's almost like it's a uh, it's evangelical Absolutely. And, and when you go that far in you always come back and be like ah I was a dick and it happens to everybody very few people stay in and the people i know who are still quote unquote straight edge um if they're smart about it usually go yeah I just don't drink it's up yeah. to me who gives a shit
2: exactly like my friend who was definitely like part of the straight edge thing but now he doesn't want anything to do with the label like he will spot me money for weed and shit like he doesn't care what i do at all and that i think that's been the, like the huge shift is that there was so much judgment back like in the 90s and now it's sort of like all right, everyone does everything. Triple X, Veg
1: Edge, Krishna Conscious.
2: Yep, drug free youth shirt. I definitely own that. Like yeah. the whole deal.
1: Hey, were you vegan? Are you vegan?
2: Uh, I was vegan. Um, I was unfortunately born with a stomach illness that is yet to be diagnosed Yeesh. through twelve specialists. I, this podcast is going to sound like I'm just like this hugely broken individual. No, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you're a puzzle, and you're standing. But so yeah, so uh, I'd gone through all these specialists and all this stuff, and finally. doctor was like listen you've got to start eating meat just to start to figure out what's going on with your body and uh that was the like started with fish like everyone does and then just total apathy yeah to follow you're a liar get out (laughs) (laughs) yeah secretly eating this is a vegan
1: podcast
2: (laughs) how dare you i'm 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 impressed with anyone that can stay vegan outside of a big city like i feel like veganism i could have done it in new york really easily but People who are like, I cook every single meal at home. Wow, that is fucking dedication.
0: I, I cook at home a lot, but I'm in a very, I'm in a situation where like, I belong to a CSA and I work from home. I'm home all day. Right. But uh, if you had a regular job, yeah, it would, you, it would be so hard. Boiling kale Yeah. to get the toxins out. I, I started, I listened to this podcast where the guy said you can get kidney stones from, mm-hmm. c- how do you say the word? Ceriferous vegetables? Cruciferous?
1: Whatever. Vociferous? No. Vociferous. C-, 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 C
0: It's C-R-U-C. Cool. This is making me sound so smart. Crucified Anyways. kale? <laughs> yes. Crucified kale. So he said you boil water, put it in the boiled water for five minutes, and then throw out the water, and then it's
2: safer to eat. Mm. So that is, It's kind of like holy water for kale, then. Yeah. You, you yeah. can start it's crucified nice kale. kind of nice a super healthy thing will also kill you.
0: Every I, The more I research <clears throat> stuff, the more I'm like, anything that I try to do to make for self-improvement or health has, like, a hidden thing that will kill me.
1: But are you researching on the internet?
0: Yes. Then everything. stop,
1: stop that immediately.
0: I know. There's but- only
1: one good website on the internet, and this is a fact for anyone listening. It's called WebMD, and that's the only one a doctor will go, that. Fuck off everything I'll, else. I'll
0: be like, oh, this vitamin's supposed to help me sleep. <clears throat> this mineral, like, like, this calcium supplement, and then someone else, this will make, like, your heart explode or something. Like, I feel like everything is, like, Everything in moderation.
2: Yeah, and, and there's, Don't a, be silly. there's definitely, like, those health conspiracists that thinks that everything like this is, like, a way to try and... Like, the agricultural society is like, no, we need to have more meat eaters. We're going to put out this... Disseminate wrong information about kale. Like, I I highly doubt it the conspiracy goes that deep into kale. I like to think it does, though. Yeah, it would be awesome. I
1: really do. I think there's a little black room of people just wearing all leather <laughs> talking about the anger that's influenced. I'd like, plants can feel and think...
2: You know. I think that's a national show. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so you're in, uh, you're in United Nations now. Yes.
2: United
1: Nations now. United Nations now. And is that your your soul band? Is Acid Tiger still doing stuff?
2: Uh, acid Tiger is on um, an acid hiatus, <laughs> and uh, we I, are no, now
1: Meth Tiger. Dude, that is a shame
0: because <laughs> that was a good band. I liked really you guys. I thanks so. Love seeing you
2: guys. Yeah, it was it was one of the most fun bands I've ever played in, and you know, just like it, New York everyone in it sort of like moved away and things happened and people got married and had kids and it was never a band that like took off or anything it was a passion project for sure but um yeah if there was ever a chance to do it like another show i would in a heartbeat um so united nations that's me and jonah are working on the new album right now uh are we even allowed to say that because it's going to (laughs) be you said you've mentioned it before yeah yeah we're working on we're working on stuff cool yeah okay
1: so aside from just playing in bands I mean, is that that that's the main bread and butter?
2: It's been the main bread and butter. That's this year great. off has been a little bit of a a shift in schedule. Like I was just so busy with Thursday for so long, and then when Thursday had downtime, it was Assa Tiger or United Nations or whatever. Mm-hmm. And now not having that like main structure has given me first like the first three months of nothing was like super scary. Just like having life be so different after a decade plus of being one way exclusively. And then I started to figure out that there were other things that I might like to try. So I started like blowing glass. And that was a really weird thing. I just took a class one weekend and fell into it and loved it. And it was a place awesome. Yeah, it's so much fun. But day one I burned myself so bad that I was like, I probably shouldn't do this. Like I use my hands for other things as well. But I realized that it was just nerves day one like it's such an intense medium to work with the flame it's like you get anywhere near it and it burns you but you have to wear no gloves or anything i went to
1: one of those places in germany where they make the you know like not the beer steins but it's just like super ornate glass and you right. watch them blow it and you watch them make it, and you watch the guys sculpt it and then you go to a room which is the checkers mm-hmm. and it's people playing checkers constantly it's awesome. <laughs> um no they're checking all the glass and they look at it and throw it, and they look at it and they throw it, and they smash everything. They look at it immediately, and they smash everything, and maybe one or two pieces, meaning not everything, they put to the side. Like, that's how specific they were about the glass, looking for flaws, and they're so right. good at it, they can look, like, within a second. And it's so funny, then they would take the glass and smash it and melt it back up, and they would, like, do it again. Yeah,
2: like, yeah. It's a tedious process. Like, it's definitely worked my patience a little bit, but uh, I thought... I thought it was gonna be a lot easier than it was and like whether it's a like a simple drinking cup or a a crazy like you know transformer bong or something it's like which transformer probably the ones that i've seen are all like the like bumblebee but the like rap version that got put in the movie like it's uh, like a (laughs) decepta bong yeah wow Wow. it's a bong
1: but it's more than meets the eye (laughs)
0: <laughs> More than meets the high. Uh
1: yeah. Damn and I thought of it right after <laughs> I said the other one.
0: Me and Emily watched one of these shows recently, like how it's made or something, and it was making these ornate chalices, and it was like thirty five thousand steps. Like first they cut this, and they make this part, then they put the stem on, then they cut this design, then seven hundred people approve it. Then yeah. it's so crazy
1: the process. It's the most process ornate it's it's that kind of stuff is to get your brain it's good for musicians, to get your brain away from the product. It's to get you into the, but I'm the, like, the art is the process
2: yeah absolutely yeah. i think you'd love it man with all like the buddhist zen stuff you get into it's yeah. so there like once you get into this rhythm it you're st- it, literally staring into a flame for I, hours it's just,
0: just everything here is so expensive like i looked into classes when you started doing it mm-hmm. and it was like six hundred dollars you know for like a
2: the place on, on yeah, berry, right yeah, yeah it's like
0: everything is just so much money to burn it's yourself like, yeah i just <laughs> yeah.
2: wish that there was just yeah, it just, yeah, the thing I did was 100 bucks, and you take the intro class, and then you can go to the studio and work for as many hours as you want afterwards. Maybe
0: I could do it with you when I go up to write sometime or yeah, something.
2: for sure. I think cool. you
0: guys blowing some glass together
1: would be a cool thing.
2: It would be cool. I mean, have <laughs> got to do something to make money.
1: <laughs> if you want to know the inner workings of the neurotic mind, we just gave it to you in audio form. Lucas Previn discussing things with Jonah Bear, one long forty-five minute inside joke. Yes, and <laughs> just hap- that happens pretty much every day. Yeah, I can only imagine. But what a storied life he has. What, what do you say, ten or eleven siblings, half and adopted? Like, I don't think he can even keep no. track. I definitely can't. No, it's it's absolutely amazing. I think his father's been married like
0: six times.
1: Yeah, it's- and.
0: And the bands he's played with, I mean, like, from the Scissor
1: Sisters, the Thursday, like, it's a... Uh, and that he's the only one of his father's children who went into music. That's what gets me the most. Yeah, totally. Because I always wonder at that, like, um, like Julian Lennon, Sean Lennon, maybe not do that, you know? <laughs> Jacob Dylan, like, nah, maybe. You know, if, like, if there's another Springsteen record and it doesn't say Bruce in front of it, like, ah. <laughs> like, why would you do that? Like, go... At least paint or something artistic, but not. Don't do. What was that kids' band, The Fiction Plane? Sting's son oh. had a band.
0: Oh, That sounds vaguely familiar. Well,
1: don't do that. Yeah, that's tough. But... Paul, Paul McCartney's son said, "You know, I've talked to Danny Harrison and Sean Lennon, and we're going to talk to Zach Starkey, and we, you know, we might do something. Maybe don't do that ever. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. If you're listening, well, when don't you take it that. when
3: it's that far into like uh, celebutant." status then it's actually kind of a thing except on its zach, own except, like it would be funny
1: except zach starkey's a motherfucker on drums <laughs> he's so good it would be funny to
3: have all selepitants
1: band do you hear like interviews like who taught you how to play drums he's like keith moon not your dad nope keith Moon. <laughs> <laughs> really <laughs> yeah yeah he was taught by keith moon wow so it's like how could you i like i love ringo star i think he's one of the best drummers but like he had this interview once that made me go Maybe you're not that good, because it was. He said one. He said the best thing ever said about drummers: what you don't play is as important as what you do play. Oh yeah. But then he said, you know, I'm known for my fills. I never do them the same way twice. That's not good. <laughs> like that's no, like not.
3: That's. Mm, you're not being a good drummer. Depends, I guess.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, if you want to see Lucas play guitar on stage and me play guitar on stage at the same time, we are. I'm proud to announce we're playing the Fest in Gainesville <gasps> in November. It has been announced that United Nations will be playing. Um,
1: is that the Fest or the Fun, Fun, Fun Fest? It's or called.
0: The f- the, it used to be Gainesville Fest. Now I think it's just called the Fest or Fest. But Knapsack is reuniting and playing. Um, I think we're going down with Pianos Become the Teeth. Right. Because um, that's half your band. Because that's half our band. And they have a van, which is awesome. Uh, <laughs> when we don't. And there are... There are a ton of awesome bands playing. Um, What's the other one I was really excited? Night Marchers are playing. Um, I mean, the lineup's insane, so I'm very excited. It feels far away, but... Uh, Night Marchers, someday John Reese will be in here. Someday John Reese will be in here. I'll harass him in Florida.
1: Please, please. I'll
0: get him a tiki drink. Then he'll
1: meet me and go, oh, you, yeah. you. <laughs> I'm like, sorry. I'm just a big fan. Uh, Lucas Previn is great. If you like us, if you like going off track.com, Uh, If you like the website, it's great. But if you like the podcast, that's even better. Uh, If you want to donate, there's a little donate button. It helps us keep things going. As I say every week, doing a podcast is a great way to learn how to break even in life. Uh, Follow us at Twitter at Going Off Track. Go to our Facebook page if you want to send us an email or a message. We don't do comment boards because we find them to be the Morlocks of humanity. That's for all you literature majors out there. All you Jules Verne dissertation fans. Morlocks. Or X-Men fans, I have to throw that in there as well. (laughs) See you next week.